0: To the Alabama Literacy Networks podcast, which is designed to share information and best practices for literacy in the state of Alabama. We represent various groups working on literacy in the state. We hope to bring a wide variety of resources together to help school leaders, teachers, and parents so that all children read at high levels. We believe that literacy is a fundamental right that is tied to so many positive outcomes that we want for the citizens of Alabama. This podcast was brought to you by Bright Spot Ed LLC, an educational consulting company based in Alabama, providing consulting, professional learning, evaluation services, and resources. Our goal is to highlight the good and replicate it across education. Check us out at brightspoted.com. I'm your host, Shelley Vale Smith. Today we will be talking to Mrs. Karen Vogelsang, Executive Director. Of A Rise to Read, a nonprofit in Memphis, Tennessee. She earned a master's degree in elementary education from the University of Memphis and taught in Memphis schools. She was recognized as the 2015 Tennessee Teacher of the Year and served on Governor Haslam's Teacher Cabinet and as Tennessee Hope Street Group Facilitator. She received fellowships at Harvard's Project Zero, the Gates Foundation, Teach Plus and Hope Street Group. Welcome, Karen, thank you for being with us here today. Thank you, Shelley, it's really an honor. Well, I'm super excited to share what you're doing with people. Can you start by telling us how you got involved in teaching? Because
1: I think that that's not what you originally started out as, am I correct? You are absolutely correct. I am a first generation college student. My parents came to the United States from England via Canada, where I was born, became a U.S. citizen. My dad was in business and I thought, well, I guess I'll major in In business and I had a a business degree and I was in banking for 14 years and I just really got tired of the bottom line being all about the dollar, but I had no idea what I was supposed to do. And I was praying about it. I left the bank and I had three different people at three different times who didn't know what each person said. They said, Karen, have you ever thought about being a teacher? And the first two times I looked at the people like they had lost their marbles And when the third person said it, I just looked up and I said, okay, Lord, I hear you. And I started researching it and realized I was supposed to be a teacher. So I had a business degree. So I had to go back to school and married with uh, four kiddos at home and a mortgage and all that other good stuff. So worked part-time at my church, went back to school, got a master's degree in elementary education, and I taught uh, elementary grades first through fourth for 15 years and just absolutely fell in love with all things education, ate, slept, and breathed it. As most of us uh, who are in education do. That's exactly right.
0: So what can you tell us about Arise to Read, how it got started, and why it's needed?
1: Sure. So Arise to Read got started a little over eight years ago by our founder, Donna Gaines. And Donna is the wife of Pastor Steve Gaines of a local church here in Memphis. And uh, Donna's originally from the Memphis area. And she and Steve had been away from Memphis for many years pastoring churches in uh, Texas and in Gardendale, Alabama. And they came back to Memphis. And when they came back to Memphis, Donna just saw the rate of childhood poverty. For those of you that don't know, Memphis has been either number one or number two in childhood poverty in the country. But Donna came back and just saw the rate of childhood poverty, and she was praying over the children of her city one day, and she just felt a very clear calling from the Lord saying, these are your children. This is your city. What are you going to do about it? Now, If the Lord had said that to me, I probably just would have shrunk underneath the table, but that's not who Donna Gaines is. Donna actually reached out to community uh, partners at what was then Memphis City Schools. The thing you have to know about what was happening at that particular point in time is that Memphis City Schools and Shelby County Schools were going through the largest merger in education history, and I was actually teaching at that time. It was a very, very chaotic time for our district. And somebody actually answered the phone when Donna called. And not a few weeks before that, the superintendent of the district at that point in time basically was told by the board, you've got to find a way to get the faith-based community more involved. And so that was kind of the the door that was opened, the segue. And Donna worked with curriculum and instruction team at Memphis City Schools and came up with this protocol that we still use today. So that that's kind of the origin. And what happened was they piloted the program in one school Actually, it was researched and vetted with two second grade classes. They saw the impact. And then after they got that research back and saw how powerful this was, they piloted it in one school eight years ago. And it was just phenomenal. And then basically what's happened, we don't go knocking on people's doors or school doors. What happens is principals start talking to each other and they find out not only the academic impact for the students, but also the social emotional impact. It's needed because, unfortunately, I know people don't like the term learning loss. I talked to a colleague the other day in Alaska, of all places, and I love the term he used, unfinished learning. So whether we're talking post-COVID, pre-COVID, we have children out there that are not on grade level. And what we're able to do is recruit volunteers that commit to serving children for an hour a week. They work with the same two children, one each for 30 minutes. And what was decided back when Arise to Read was founded was that they would work on word reading fluency because you don't have to be an educator to help children learn words. Uh, So they're not working with children on phonics skills. They're not working with children on comprehension skills. They're building this foundational literacy skill called word reading fluency, and they're doing it in a fun and engaging way. For those of you that don't know, word reading fluency is critical for reading fluency, which is absolutely critical for reading comprehension. So as a result of all that, you know, we have non-educators that can go into the school, work with children on a consistent basis. Children fall in love with the volunteers. Their confidence improves, their motivation improves, their academic skills improve. Teachers tell us that their time on task improves in the classroom. So that's the 50,000 foot view story of Arise to Read.
0: (laughs) It's a very impressive story. Can you tell us about the results? Because I think that that's what originally drew me to this work was what I had learned
1: about the results that you were having from it. Yeah. So, you know, the last full year we had was the 2018-2019 school year. And basically, during that particular school year, we were serving over 1,200 students in roughly 40 schools throughout the Shelby County area. And the average pretest score, and we typically focus with just second graders, the average pretest score was 119, which means those children in second grade were reading at a beginning first grade level in terms of sight word fluency. When we post-tested the children, their average post-test score was 321, which is just, that's the average. I mean, we've had some students get as far as you know, reading all 1,000 words. But that's two grade levels of growth, which is just absolutely phenomenal. We only had 19% of those students on grade level at pretest. test. We had 67% on grade level at post test. So a significant increase right there. And I think when we looked at our data from last year, we were actually two weeks away from post testing our students. About the same number of students, 41 schools. And we were able to post test some of those kiddos. And for the 1920 school year, the average pre test score was 120. So those second graders had only, you know, gained another one word, right? So they're still on average reading at a first grade level. The average post test score for the children that we were able to get data on, the average post test score was 402. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> now, much smaller sample size than our previous year. But all that's to say that that roughly in the last two years, the children that we've worked with have basically gained three grade levels of growth, which is just incredible. And I, I think even beyond the academic growth, when you start talking to children about the impact that Arise to Read has had on them, I think one of my favorite stories, my one of my favorite stories has got to be Kendrick when we first met him, he pretested about word 147. So, and he was in the middle of second grade at that point. He post-tested at word like 997. But even, and he did that in the semester with his volunteer. In fact, they post-tested him before the semester was ever over. So then we just focused on reading comprehension skills, reading fluency and comprehension. But what he said was just more powerful than those numbers. He said, when my coach first came to me, we don't call him tutors, we call them coaches. He said, I didn't like reading, but when my coach started showing me stuff that was in books, I just couldn't get enough. And it just doesn't get any better than that. Not in my book. Mine either. I mean, that's
0: what all of us want is for kids to love reading. Like we absolutely. love reading. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. I love it. With the pandemic, programs like this could be even more important next school year as schools and communities are looking for innovative ways to finish out that unfinished learning. What are your thoughts on this unfinished learning for
1: students in Memphis? Well, I'll tell you. One of the interesting things that's happened for us here is the largest district in Tennessee is Shelby County Schools, and the overwhelming majority of the elementary schools, actually all of the schools, they're Title I schools, they're in very high poverty areas. We are currently number two in childhood poverty. And while poverty isn't considered an adverse childhood experience, it certainly does create challenges for children and families. There have been equity issues in terms of access to internet and computers, and the district did a great job making sure that they could get children devices and, and hotspot internet access. But they have been either at home or in a virtual learning site learning online. And we have not been able to go into the schools, but we have been able to partner with these nonprofit sites. And we had about a third of our volunteers willing to go face to face and provide a Rise to Read support at these nonprofit partner sites. So we've had an opportunity to kind of see what's happening for learning with children in this kind of environment. And we know from all the statistics that are out there that so many children living in poverty often start school. One, two, three grade levels behind, even when they're starting kindergarten, first grade. So a lot of the asynchronous work that the children had to do was at their grade level, not their instructional level. And as a result of that, there is no doubt in my mind that there has been learning loss. We, we pre-tested some children this year. We worked with children from kindergarten all the way to middle school. We pre-tested all of the children that were in these nonprofit sites And, you know, a kindergartner, somebody in kindergarten, you would hope would be able to get through the first 25 words or a first grader would be able to get to word 100. We had kindergartners and first graders that couldn't get past the first five words on the Fry sight word list. And those are words like the, of, is, and a. So we've seen firsthand that children are very far behind. And so the need is great the need is great. And I think the great thing about the Arise to Read program is it meets each child where they are, whether they're below grade level, on grade level, or above grade level. If they can read all 1,000 words, they don't need us. But if they can't, we can help them grow to their next level. That's some impressive um, recovery and gains
0: for students for you to be seeing that kind of growth. For people wanting to become involved, what does this really mean? In terms of the
1: time, the cost, the commitment? The cost is very minimal. We do have sites outside of Shelby County that have partnered with us to use our program. And, and basically, the biggest thing is if somebody, whether they're an individual, a nonprofit, or a church, the first and most important thing they have to have is a connection with an elementary school. From there, they've got to have a principal that says, yes, I would love to have this program in my school during the school day because we are a during the school day program. We're not an after school program. The principal is making a commitment to giving a rise to read a minimum of two days a week and an hour on each of those days. And my recommendation as a former educator is to give us time during reading instruction. Certainly don't take children out of math instruction or anything like this. This is an intervention. This really is an intervention and it can definitely be tied to data that's coming out of the classroom. As I talk to different people that are interested in getting the program started, we need somebody that's going to be that main point person to be able to train, to be able to coordinate the principals, making that commitment for two days a week. The cost is, it could be anywhere from $800 to $1,200, depending on how fancy you want to get, because we use coaching boxes. They're basically craft boxes. And inside that coaching box is everything that a volunteer needs to work with their students. So there's a dry erase board, there's dry erase markers, there's their Fry Sight Word list. There's four different games in there. There's game pieces, pencils, colored pencils, index cards, paper, all of everything that that coach needs is in there. So really once you basically invest in that initial, those initial supplies and after that, all you're doing is replacing consumable items. The time commitment, what you're asking volunteers to do is to commit to serving an hour a week. And typically our school year is the middle of September to early April. We get out of schools before state testing starts so that principals and teachers can focus on the the test prep that takes place in schools. So it's the way I like to describe it is the Arise to Read program is extremely impactful. It's very structured. Anybody who can read and pass a background check can do this. And it's not all of us have a story about a teacher that's made a difference or an impact on us in our lives. And I always tell the volunteers that we train, you can be that voice for that young elementary student that says, I know you can do this. Because when the volunteers start to see how excited the kids get, when the kids walk in the room and their faces light up, when they see their volunteer, when they see the kids getting excited about reading and see that they can do that, then they keep coming back year after. After a year to serve another crop of students, so that's kind of another fifty thousand foot view story of you know what what happens. It's a simple structured program, but it is very impactful.
0: Is that eight hundred to twelve hundred dollars per learning
1: coach or for the school for the whole school? Yeah, that's a bargain. I know it's very inexpensive. So normally, like I said, we focus on second graders. So. Our average second grade uh, number of students in second grade in our schools here is usually between 75 to 100 students. And what I usually recommend is obviously working with the school administrators and school teachers to identify those students who would best be served by a program like ours. There were cases at our pilot school where we were serving every single second grader. So we had multiple hours per day, five days a week. The minimum is two days a week and an hour on each day, but we've certainly done more students that, than that kind of schedule. So if you on average in, a, in an elementary school started with 30 second grade students or even 60 second grade students, you're still talking about purchasing supplies and making copies that would cost you anywhere from $800 to $1,200. So it's it's a bargain. And especially <laughs> the kinds of
0: funds that schools and school districts have received with ESSER. So- yeah. Just give it a plug for those wise use of funds. This program started out as an opportunity for churches to become a part of the solution to the literacy problem, but is now spread to even some businesses. Can you tell us about how that happened and why you think businesses are getting involved in this?
1: It happened because Donna had a connection with another church member with a business, and there was an elementary school down the street from that business. The, the employer allowed the employees to go down to the school during their hour for their one day a week and coach their two students. And, you know, basically it just took off from there as we started sharing that story. And when I first came on board to Arise to Read three years ago, one of the first things I did was speak at a, a heart Foundation luncheon. And I had I, was, I really had no idea who was in the, in the audience. It turned out it was mayors and business leaders and all that sort of stuff. And that just opened up more doors as well. What they realized is that the work that we were doing is helping to educate the future workforce. What we know is that if children that are reading on grade level, especially for children living in poverty, by the end of third grade, they have an 89% graduation rate, which is the same for children coming from middle-income families. So if we're really going to make a difference for kids, we have to do this early in their education. We can't wait until they're in middle school or high school. It's way too late then. We're currently working with a seventh grader right now that was pretested on a second grade level. We can't wait that long. It just makes the gap get wider and wider and wider. And businesses want to see their employees invest in community service. And so what's happened is one business leader has talked to another business leader. And what many of our business partners have done is what it costs us to run a school. We we call it a, a financial partnership adoption. They're covering our costs for that school. And so then this relationship is building and you find out that maybe they're short some backpacks or some school supplies, and you end up having service that spills over beyond a rise to read. So it's been very, very powerful to see the business community. And then what happens is they start talking to their friends and family, and then they want to get involved. And that helps expand our volunteer base. So it's just a win-win all the way around. And what a great model for
0: them to be able to tap into, because a lot of times businesses want to help. They just don't know how. Exactly. We often hear about faith-based organizations working with schools. For people who might be unfamiliar with this type of partnership, what can you tell them about the boundaries of what these volunteers are doing around faith versus reading?
1: Absolutely. So we know what the rules are in terms of anybody's faith and talking to children about their faith during the school day. So when we do the training, we talk about the fact that regardless of your faith, whatever it is, you are not to discuss that with the child. We are a Christian organization, so we always share for those that are in the audience as believers, we just basically say, look, this might be our belief. We cannot share it with the children. That's not our place. But by your example you are being the hands and feet of Jesus without saying that you're being the hands and feet of Jesus. I have two stories. One man is an atheist and he said, I don't believe in all that stuff that you believe in, but can I still tutor kids? I said, can you read? He said, yes. I said, then absolutely. We need you. Where can we, let's sign you up. And I had another sweet lady. She's Jewish. And Diana said to me, after she came to a training, I didn't know anything about her. And she came up to me and she sort of put her finger in my face. She said, I'm a Jew. Is it okay if I, if I volunteer? And it's like, Diana, can you read? She said, well, of course. I said, well, then absolutely you can. You know, it worked out that with Donna's background as a pastor's wife, she was just very connected, obviously, in the faith-based community. So as she would start to do presentations with women's groups and things like that, more and more churches became involved. When we want to share the gospel, then we work with a school to create an uh, an after-school Bible club. And that's definitely not anything that's required or mandated. That's just something that we could guide a church if they wanted to do that sort of thing. But the focus when we have volunteers in the school building during the school day, we are there to help children become excited about reading and helping them become proficient readers so that when they do leave third grade, they are reading on grade level. Absolutely. This really is a mission field
0: in our backyards that so many people could help and do on a regular basis, and not have to travel to a foreign country, and so I am so excited about this opportunity for people. For people who want to know more about starting a Rise to Read in their community, what should they know, and how can they learn more?
1: Well, they can learn more by going to our website, and that's arise2read.org, and it's A-R-I-S-E, the number 2, read.org, and there's a contact form. There's also some information for outside of Shelby County. There's a, um, a tab on there about that where you can learn more about it. If you fill out the information form, that will come to me. Me and then I'll schedule a time to talk. Everybody, since being in this role for the last three years, everybody's entry point is different. I talked to a pastor in Kansas City once and I said, Well, he was interested in wanting to get a Rise to Read started. I said, Do you have a a relationship with the school? No. All right. Well, you need to get a relationship with the school. I talked to a lady in Texas on Friday. Her husband is a pastor. They are moving to a new church. The church has already got a partnership with the school. So for them, it's a matter of going to the principal and sharing with the principal about the Rise to Read program and seeing if it's a fit. Yeah, everybody's entry point is different. And if there's interest, go check out our website. If you want to learn more, fill out that form, and then um, we'll end up having a conversation together and I can share more about it and answer any questions someone has. Fabulous. And I know
0: that you and I have spoken before about there are places in Alabama that have been doing a Rise to Read. And so my very good friend, Dr. Denise Gibbs, has been doing it in her community with great success. And so if you also want to know how it works in Alabama, then I think she would be very happy to speak to you as well.
1: Oh, I know she would. Denise has been a great partner,
0: fabulous partner. Absolutely. Karen, thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate what you're doing for these children, their families and communities. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. I really appreciate you letting me share about Arise to Read. Absolutely. Join us again next week for the next episode of the Alabama Literacy Network Podcast.